I'm Kelly Coffey, CEO of City National Bank. Our Conversations podcast features in-depth interviews with innovative leaders from business, entertainment, and nonprofits. Listen and learn how to succeed in what I'm calling the next normal. Now is the time to rethink, reinvent, and renew yourself and your business. Hi, everyone. I am excited to be back with a special podcast in celebration of Earth Day. On this episode, we'll be having a conversation about sustainability and the environment. And I know all of us at City National are committed to protecting our natural resources and our planet, so I'm very excited to chat with today's special guest. Many of you know him for his leading roles on hit shows, including The Vampire Diaries and Lost, but he's also a humanitarian, philanthropist, and environmentalist. In 2010, he established his own foundation to empower, educate, and collaborate with people on projects that positively impact the planet and its creatures. He is the United Nations Environment Program Goodwill Ambassador, and most recently, he launched his own sustainable spirits company, Brothers Bond Bourbon, which I know we'll talk about. So as a true champion of our planet, it is my pleasure to welcome Ian Sommerhalder. Ian, welcome. Thank you so, so, so very much. It is such a pleasure to be here, and that's a really kind introduction. And quite a tongue twister when I hear all those cool things. I think, oh, that must be a pretty decent human being. (laughs) I think so. You're doing incredible things. And we're so excited. So thank you for being here today. We're excited to talk to you about it. And so everybody knows you, right? You've had leading roles and hit shows. Like I said, The Vampire Diaries Lost. So you're a household name in Hollywood. But I just want to start first where you came from, because you came from humble beginnings in Louisiana, I know. And so that must have been quite a journey. So tell us about that. Did you always want to be an actor? How did you how did you get here today? You know, it is an interesting story. You know, those humble beginnings in Louisiana, we didn't have very much, but we were so rich in culture and family. We didn't have any money, but we had tremendous amounts of food and space and property. And in the 70s and 80s in Louisiana, you didn't have to have much. In the 70s and 80s, anywhere, you didn't have to have very much to be really, truly happy. And so I always wanted to do this. I wanted to be actually a marine biologist when I was a kid because I grew up and the Gulf of Mexico was our backyard. And again, just going back to, you know, we didn't have very much, but we were so rich in culture and food and we didn't need a lot. But one of the things that I really got from that was the environment. And my father, you know, growing up in Southeast Louisiana, it's all marshlands. It's a very, very wildly delicate ecosystem. So it was easy for my parents to give as an example, right? Because it's right there in front of you. When you take too much and you don't put it back, there's an imbalance that happens. And at the time, they were dredging Lake Pontchartrain, which is the lake that separates New Orleans from the North Shore where I grew up. And I remember all of the Save the Lake campaigns. Basically, it's what they're doing to the oceans. I mean, just the idiocy of this. They were dredging the lake, getting shells and crabs and all sorts of stuff. Of course, it destroys the ecosystem. The whole lake was dead when I was a kid. and But I got to watch it come back. And ultimately, I loved acting and I'd already been doing theater and stuff. And so I knew that it's what I wanted to do really from then on. And so my mom, you know, used every dollar we ever had to get me modeling classes and acting classes and stuff. Her foresight and vision really, it paid off, you know? And so I just think about that American dream thing, that mother who sees something in their child, doesn't have any money, but scrounges, finds that way to get that kid in front of people who can take him there. and then would take a sabbatical every year from her teaching age job. And we would go to New York City and spend every dollar the family had so that we could have an apartment in New York. And then I would work 
and then make the money back. And it was just amazing to be there learning at 10, 11, 12 years old, running around New York City. New York City in the 90s was very different than when Giuliani got there and really cleaned it up. But it was just unbelievable learning work ethic and seeing professionals and art directors and makeup artists, photographers and lighting guys and fashion designers and stuff from that age on, again, really shaped my life and appreciation for arts, science and business, you know? That's incredible. So really young age that you started that. And I I love that story with your mom helping you achieve your dream. And now you can blend the two together, your two loves together because today's Earth Day. So I do want to transition and talk about how you really came across and did you're doing the missional critical work that you want to make the world a better place. Like you talk about for, for this and future generations. And so to do that in 2010, I know you established the Ian Sommerhalder foundation and that aim is to advance science and promote conservation. So a little bit more about your upgrooming, but talk a little bit more about the work you're doing and what prompted you to, to create the foundation. And I think I can tell why you chose the cause because of where you grew up, but talk a little bit about that. You know, to be honest with you, by virtue of coming from that that space and that ecosystem, going into cut to 2010, the Gulf oil spill happens. And I and I was just finishing the first year of this giant television show that had become a real cult pop culture phenomenon. And I hear of an oil spill, of an oil leak in the sad tragedy of the Deepwater Horizon. Oddly enough, my cousin had literally just left that rig he worked on that rig and those were his friends that are that are now gone so talking about close to home and so i called my dad to have him pick up a bunch of camera equipment i literally had my cats and i grabbed a, my shaving kit and some clothes and i drove home and i got on a boat and i drove down to venice louisiana and i used my my fishing boat captain and we went out and what i found was was exactly what i thought which is not what was being reported that Oil slicks were, you know, whatever, say 22 miles offshore, and they were maybe 500 feet wide. They weren't. They were 14 miles offshore, and they were two miles wide. And I realized in that moment, after seeing that environment just devastated by neglect and just really silly things that it could have been avoided, it was a whatever $212,000 job to fix that thing. What I realized was is that. If I had this voice, then I might as well be an amplifier for voices that aren't heard. And I don't have a college degree. Uh, I have lived all over the world and traveled and read a lot of books and talked to a lot of cool people like yourself. But the one thing I realized is I don't know how to do very many things, but I know how to work on this television show. And I know that I can leverage entertainment value to create quantifiable generational change. So, okay, that's what I've got to do. And that's where the foundation was born out of. The foundation was born out of the desire and the need to build an amplification for those voices. And we had definitely varying degrees. We had some amazing success. You know, we need things to happen. And what I learned was it's not going to come from governments. It's not going to come from nonprofits. It's going to come from business. And if you ever want to truly generate enough substantial means, let's call it, resources, obviously, we're, we know what we're all talking about, which is the monetary component of doing good. It's got to come from business. And what I've learned is, is that I don't want to ask someone for something. I want to sell them something they love. And then I can use those dollars and those funds to do the things that I know I need to do with it. And then 
ultimately encourage my partners and the people that I'm working with to do the same, right? And now, just a number of years later, Paul, Wesley, and I have built this bourbon company with our incredible team where we're not breaking sales velocity records. We're shattering paradigms. And now I, and it gives me the confidence and the understanding, okay, one foot in front of the other, but there's a reason I want to build multinational, multi-billion dollar companies. It's so I can use that dough to do all the things that we know we need to do. All the things we're fighting for, social justice and environmental justice are inextricably linked. They are one and the same. But the problem is that all the fighting and all the work that we're all doing is in vain unless we have a healthy planet. If we don't have a healthy planet that can sustain us, these problems are, they're just going to be on a loop. And it's what we're seeing now, right? You know, this is the new frontier. You know, if we're going to be entrepreneurs and we're going to build massive companies, let's do it for the right reason. And I think the companies that are going to be the most successful in the future, and I don't mean just from a monetary standpoint, but truly the most successful companies in the world are going to be the ones that millennials and Gen Zs end up spending their money and they want to know that where their hard-earned dollars are going are going to companies who are good stewards, whether it's in their environment, up and down their supply chain, to their people, their communities. And those companies are the companies with the triple bottom line, people, planet, profit, end of story. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love that. We're going to, I want to talk more about that because one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and we have uh, all of my colleagues at City National are trying to do our part. And so there's things we do like stepping up for our planet from, you know, we did away with all the single use water bottles that drive me crazy to, and we, we eliminated our greenhouse gas emissions by 10%. We dropped our energy consumption. That's amazing. I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm committed to that, but what is, what's some advice that you have for corporations? How can we take some impactful action in this fight for our planet and how you pick your causes? Like, where should we be focusing? Say a bank, like, our own beloved City National, we love this this organization. There's a different type of supply chain, right? But at the end of the day, you are talking about carbon offset. You're talking about tremendous amounts of paper. You're talking about the sort of campus life of a building. You know, you're running banks. You're talking about a multitude of giant buildings, thousands and thousands of people that work within that, that space. And so you think about, okay, how do we bring down our energy consumption, which will also not only bring down our energy costs, but it's going to be better for the planet. How do we use less paper? Well, we're going to be using these different types of S drives and technology that are going to really actually be able to allow us to do that. But one thing that people really, and I'm only learning about this because of a fund that I've been working with that deals in corporate construction, something like 28% of energy usage as far as greenhouse gases comes from buildings. It comes from, you know, the usage of power in these buildings and also to the heat transfer, building microclimates. I mean, these are all really big, big, big things. And again, water usage, power usage, paper usage, and then food and plastics and stuff. So you're looking at composts, you're looking at plastic recycling, you're looking at paper reuse, and you're looking at energy consumption. A bank like City National moves a lot faster than these giant giants that are really sort of stuck in their ways that don't move very quickly. And that's what makes it so interesting and fun with like City National because it feels like a more boutique private bank, but just with a lot of oomph. And so you think about it, you all have the desire and the need and the wherewithal to say, okay, we are going to make these changes. 
We're going to make sure we bring our energy costs down here and, and energy consumption down. Here's how we're going to do it. Window tintings, blinds, and then retrofitting some of these new HVAC systems, which the costs aren't that high. It just takes a little bit of reverse engineering of how do we go backwards a little bit to figure out where we're going to offset. And some of the people I've spoken to at City National, what's amazing is, just like you said, paper, you got, you know, you all have done an incredible by reducing the incredible amount of paper. Um, and then the plastics, getting rid of those plastics and developing or having such a great recycling program within the, the office structure. And then also, too, you think about what your what the employees of a bank like this or company of this size, what they're, say, eating, where that waste is going. These are big swings, right? And you all are taking the initiative to make sure that these you know, it's like a supply chain, but you're, again, kind of reverse engineering how your buildings and your company works. And it's inspiring. And I really had so much fun building out my company with the help of your team and seeing how just aware everyone is. It's pretty awesome. One of the other ways we can do besides looking at ourselves is support entrepreneurs like you that are that are doing that. And so we're talking about Brothers Bond Bourbon, right? It's your own line of sustainable bourbon, which you're talking about. So talk a little bit more about what you're, you're going to produce it on a massive scale and it's to fight against climate change, right? You're going to use what you earn there to do that. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, is we all talk about the idea of sustainability and, and sustainability is a very important thing. But if you really sort of break down the understanding of what it means is it would be meaning maintaining, right? Do a little bit more with less. At Brothers Bond at this point, we don't even use that word anymore. We use the R words, regeneration, restore, reuse, recycle, regenerate. It's really more about building from this now. And people say, well, what is regeneration? You know, regenerative agriculture is our give back. And not just from a corporate standpoint, but me and my partners and and then going into our partnerships around the country and around the world, that's where we're going to raise a bulk of this just incredible amounts of, of capital to really put into regenerative agriculture. Because we know regenerative agriculture, we know scientifically, can stop climate change in its tracks. It can, it can literally put climate change in our rearview mirror. Tell us about that. So this, because the kiss the ground is about how soil, right. May be the key to combating climate change. And, and, and you also, you know, have been quoted as saying, this is your greatest compliment. So talk, talk about what that does and then how you got involved with the project too. Well, that's the thing, you know, kiss the ground is, you know, the idea of regeneration. People say, what is regeneration? So regenerative agriculture is the process of using planned grazing methods and large-scale agriculture, meaning, you know, using living plants, growing living plants to sequester enormous amounts of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and store it safely back in the ground where it belongs, feeding all the microorganisms of the soil. So the idea is, is the health of soil is directly related to the microbiome of that soil, which is in exactly the same biological process as the human being. The human being is only as healthy as the microbiome of the gut. Healthy gut, healthy person, healthy soil, healthy planet. And so what's amazing about regenerative agriculture is, is that, A, it does take a little switching over, but it's the idea of creating a no-till agricultural system. And people say, what do you mean, no-till? You can't not till soil. Well, it is pretty wild that 
modern agriculture is not designed for the betterment of soil. And when I tell people this, and, and when I tell any of you this on this podcast, when I say this, sometimes people go, there's absolutely no way what you're saying is true. So when we till soil, we release carbon. Yeah. When you damage soil, you release the carbon that's stored in that soil. So if you think about it, and this, we detail, we detail this in the film a great deal. And I see this sometimes I get chills. Sometimes I get tears, but I've seen it, you know, probably 60 times now. And it never not affects me in a way that's like a visceral, emotional, deep feeling. You know, there are only three places in the world you can store carbon. The atmosphere, which is full. You can't store it anymore. That legacy load of carbon is up there. Uh, the oceans, which they're full. We can't put any more carbon in the oceans. So the only left place left to put it all is right under our feet. How incredible is that? You're also a designated UN Environment Program Goodwill Ambassador. So what, what, what does that mean? What is that role and what is that work that you do through the UN? Yeah, so, you know, my relationship with the UN has been now really quite a long time. And, and uh, the United Nations is obviously, it depends on who you're talking to, is a very, um, it's a very consensus around the world how people feel about the united nations but however the united nations is in place to protect and do good and so being on the inside is a really great place to be because you can make great efforts and great change from the inside out it's hard to do from the outside in and why i'm so grateful to be a part of the united nations is that you do see a global effort around the world to protect to do good, to create safe boundaries and food and things that are needed. The UNEP, the United Nations Environment Program, was important to me because, you know, it was myself and Don Cheadle and, and uh, my dear dear sister Giselle Bunchen. You know, people say, oh, what do these entertainment people know about this? Well, actually quite a lot. And the idea is, is using and leveraging this, again, like I say, massive entertainment value to at least spread a tremendous amount of awareness, but awareness is nothing without action, right? And so one of the things that was just so incredible about getting to be a part of this was to see the scale at which you can work and being a part of, you know, the Paris Agreement, being able to, so many friends walked around that facility and were sending these, taking pictures of these massive photos that had up of us, but the amount of energy that we got to create again this is a guy from you know a poor kid from southeast louisiana with no college education i didn't go to harvard law school i didn't you know go to columbia i didn't go to mit but through hard work perseverance kindness you get uh, a group of people behind you to say i will listen to you i do appreciate what you're saying and i will go to the mat for you so share information with me help me understand what it is i can do that level of empowerment i feel it's crucial. So that's what the United Nations really sort of gave me the avenue to do. And, and so if we get the big, big, big companies on this planet doing this, the world will shift on its axis. When China, India, Russia, France, you know, the EU is already doing it to some extent, Australia, but when China, India, and Russia and the United States switch to even 10% regenerative agriculture, the world will shift on its axis. Climate change will literally be a thing of the past. That in and of itself, when you can paint this picture for people and show them 
that this is possible. It changes who they become and it changes their actions. And so that's why I'm so humbled and so proud of this and what we're doing, because I know that change is right around the corner. And I don't mean incremental. I mean robust, structured, financed change. I'm excited to talk to you about it. And I'm excited about, about the company you're building. And now that you've you've gone a little bit down that path. Do you have advice for other eco-minded entrepreneurs? You know, I've learned a lot. If we want to talk about building a great product is really just starting from the beginning through corporate governance saying up and down our supply chain, we will do our best not to compromise on quality, but we will do everything we can to tick every box that is better for the planet than it was before. So whether it's your bottle manufacturer, and obviously you have to do this on a budget, right? So it takes a lot more conversations. There are times when I've literally just wanted to throw my hat down because you're arguing with a supplier, you're trying to make it fit into your budget, they're trying to make it fit into their budget, but you want it because it's the best thing for the planet. So you've got an, a, a whole number of ticks up and down your supply chain. You have the ability to fine tune every single one of these pieces takes a lot more energy, but there's also so much more synergy out there right now. People are wanting to do that. Suppliers and vendors, they want to do that. Shipping companies want to do that. So I think it's really a much better way because as a producer or as an owner or co-founder of a company or a CEO, whatever it is, if you know that you're doing these things to the absolute best of your financial ability, meaning no BS aside, you actually are doing it, Consumers are going to get that. Your suppliers and your retailers are going to get that. And you get to use that to say, hey, I want to sell you this product. But I also painstakingly went through to know that what I'm delivering to you is the absolute best we can do. And it's good for the planet. You're keeping your purpose front and center. Though your passion comes through for this. Is there something, if we could all do just change one thing in our everyday lives, you know, what, what would that one thing be? Maybe to make sure we're paying attention to what's sustainable and putting our dollars there, or what would your wish list be? You know, it's the funny little things, right? You can literally start by composting. And literally people say, well, what do I do? I live in a, a brownstone in Brooklyn, or I live in a tiny apartment in the Lower East Side. You can compost, you can grow things on your fire escape. But when you're also talking about what can households do, you can start to conserve your energy in a big way. Brushing your teeth. Turn off the water while you're brushing your teeth. Think about this. There's 300, almost 20 million people in this country. Every day, we are wasting hundreds of millions of gallons of fresh water a day because people are used to hearing while you're brushing your teeth. Turn it off. So say if you're saving, say, 200 million gallons a day times seven days, 1.4 billion gallons a week. Think about these numbers. You know, these are, this is where it gets big. You're turning off lights, uh, turning on. We don't leave anymore because of COVID, but before people, you know, leaving the TV on all day for the dog, dog is going to be okay. The dog doesn't need it. Unplugging a lot of appliances that you don't need. They call it vampire energy because it slowly sucks without you knowing, you know, there's seven and a half billion people in this country. I mean, in this world. So we start doing these little bits of things. You're doing it at scale. These are massive, massive things. Driving better cars, riding your bike more, practicing regenerative agriculture or regeneration on your small farms or in your, in your yards, growing gardens. 
you know, utilizing farmers markets and utilizing produce and stuff that's not all in packaging. These are little things we can do, but at scale. And you kind of make it a game throughout your day. So by the time you turn that light off at the end of the day, and you've done all these things throughout your day, it didn't cost you any money. They just took a little extra time. You feel really good because you know you used, it was the smallest impact you had for that day. And if everyone else on your street's doing that, think about the scalability of the amount of water and resources and energy we save. And I'm just, you know, the fact that you're taking time out of your day while you are literally running an incredible bank to have these conversations also shows us your ability and your desire to get that conversation started and put it into the corporate sphere, which is huge. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ian. This was fantastic. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll subscribe to Conversations so you'll never miss an episode. We have lots of great guests this season who will inform and inspire you.